We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. So we're going we're gonna to jump back into the Psalms. I was excited as we were looking at this series uh, of looking at a number of Psalms over the summer. Um, I quickly said Psalm 121 I wanted to, to focus on when I preached. And I've loved this Psalm for many, many years. Uh, we're going to sing a song at the end that is really the words of this Psalm. Psalm 121 is eight verses. Um, but I would say for me, as I've been looking at, uh, at this chapter this week and in weeks before, it really came alive in a different way for me to look at what this psalm means and some of the words or, or meanings that I missed just in how I've looked at it uh, for many years growing up. So we're going to start there this morning. We're going to read Psalm 121. I'll be reading um, from the ESV. Let's read it together. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And we're going we're gonna to unpack those verses a bit. There's really three points today, and so it's going to be pretty minimal on the, uh, on the slides on the screen today. But uh, I love that first verse, the first few words, and that's going to be the point later on, so I don't want to get too far ahead. But I will lift my eyes up. And we want to we talk more about what that means. The King James Version says, I will lift. In, in what we just read, it says, I lift up my eyes, or I lift my eyes up. So what's the context here? We heard about it from Paul and from Tim as we've been looking at the Psalms, that these are the Psalms of Ascent. These are, think of a road trip. These are like the, the believers' road trip songs, thinking of we're not there yet, but as we're on our way, we want to be lifting up God's name, looking to him, lifting his name up, whether it's the coming or the going. And I think this Psalm is really the coming. It's the expected arrival, but not there yet on this voyage between. So what do we need for a road trip? I don't know if anybody, does anybody have any favorite things for a road trip? You can just shout it out or raise your hand. Snacks. Any specific snacks, Lexi? No, just, just snacks. Not picky at all. All right, that is good. It's a good kid right there. All right. Anybody else? Directions. Cheez-Its? A pillow? Music? Air conditioning. Jesus? They hear Jesus? I'm hearing a lot of this is a <laughs> This is a hot topic here. That's great. Alright, well good. Well a road trip, as has been mentioned, there's a lot of different things that go into a good road trip. And this is really what this psalm is talking about is the, the journey. A, a psalm, a song as they're lifting it up uh, for the journey at hand. For me, one of the things I love is peanut butter, MMs, coffee good music, a quiet vehicle, all those things matter. One of the more frequent road trips we make is 
the 700 miles from here to Minnesota, and it's a long road trip. And so you need to have your, your checkpoints, you need to make sure that, you know, there's the patient's level is, if there's a fine balance of the patient's level with uh, five kids in a minivan. Um, so road trip, that's what this is about. Uh, there's the danger, the anticipation, the between places, the fatigue of a road trip. Uh, somebody mentioned directions. My parents at one point came to visit us, and my dad called me. I knew they were coming, but my dad called me, and he's like, uh, Joe, we're at such and such, such and such a gas station. How do we make it the rest of the way to your house? I said, well, what address did you put in? And he's like, well, no, we didn't put in what? We don't have smartphones. I was like, how did you get here? And he's like, just looked at the road signs. Like for me, you know, I remember back in the day, I'm old enough to remember printing off MapQuest directions, having printed copies and looking at them. But how much has changed, right? To have a GPS, enter it in your phone, and you're good to go. But my parents did not have that. So the road trip, uh, the music for those uh, along the journey. We make the journey of life about the lesser things sometimes. So road trip, again, there's the fun, exciting things of what you prepare and what you um, pull together. But when we think of life as a journey, we're not there yet, right? The, this earth is not our home, and we are. Um, there is a heavenly home for us someday, and so we are not there yet. This is uh, the journey of life. So the, the sermon title today is Eyes Upward, and uh, we'll end our time by coming back to that, uh, to, the, to the first verse in this psalm. But the three points here, the first one um, really is in verses one and two, and it's an assurance from God. It says that he's our helper. And if we reread, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We need help. Would, would everybody agree? You don't have to raise your hands on this one or shout it out, but we need help, right? And not just occasionally. Uh, this is a ongoing, constant need that we can't fill on our own, and nothing else can fill. Uh, the Beatles have the song, uh, Help. I think it says, Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. Right? And have you ever felt like that? Maybe it's an upbeat song, so it sounds happy, but have you ever felt like that? Help, I need somebody, and not just anybody. I need somebody. Help. And I think that uh, as a believer, or, or if, if you have not put your faith in Jesus, we need help. The answer is still the same, that we need him. And this is an assurance from him that he will be our help, that he'll be our helper. We need an ever-present help for our ever-present need. I want to read another psalm, and we're going to, we're going to touch on this a couple of times uh, during our time together this morning. But in Psalm 46.1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And we'll come back to that. But the word help here, this, this was one of the things that stood out to me that I hadn't anticipated in looking at this psalm. The word that's used for help is the same that's used in Genesis when God says it's not, it's not good for man to be alone. He says, I will send a help. It's like an aid, a companion, somebody that is constantly with, that there's not separation, that there is a togetherness. And so the promise here is not help like, uh, hey, I'm going to raise my hand and please answer the question, or it's not like a a 911 call where it's an event and then it goes away. It's not like a you know, break the glass in case of emergency kind of help. This is the, the promise and the assurance from him that he will constantly be with us, that the help is, is on the clock, always on the clock, 24-7. So he, as a companion or an aide or a helper or as, as a support for us at all times. And that was something that, again, when I think of help, I don't like asking for help. It's not something I'm good at. Uh, but when I do, usually it's very specific to something. It's not this 
looking to God all the time, that he would be my helper, my constant companion through life. So it's not an event or an act. He is with you. He is for you, as we sing this morning. He will never leave you or forsake you, as it says in Hebrews. So this is really the first, the first point. The second point we're going to talk a little bit about is our keeper. And I said about, yes. Uh, our keeper. Uh, it says in the other verses here, we're going to look at a few of the different parts of this. But our keeper, reread here. Starting in verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I don't know how many people were counting, but there's a lot of keeps in there, right? A lot of keeper and keeps in there. And the word for keep is really to guard, to watch over. And that's something that would have been familiar to people that would have been alive at the time that, uh, that was being described here, the, the voyage between places. The word for keeper, a lot, of, a lot of people, when they were on the road, it was a dangerous place. And there would be somebody paid or somebody assigned to watch over you while you rested, while you slept along the road, to make sure nothing that you had was stolen, to make sure that your life wasn't taken. I mean, it was a, it was a protection for those that were on the road, you know, tired from the, from the journey, tired from, the, from their travels. Uh, we can't guard or protect ourselves. That's, that's another reality for us. We can't control our own safety. It doesn't matter where in the world we're at. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us. Our hope, our faith, our trust, our protection, our safety depends on him. At any given moment, our life could be over. It's not something we can alter or change. It's dependent on God. It says in, in Acts, in him we live, we move, we have our being. Our breath, our life, our movement depends on him, on his protection. Uh, in this, this third verse, it says, he will not let your foot be moved. Um, kind of a funny, not funny, not funny for me, but maybe for you. Uh, Jess and I had the chance to go to Iceland uh, a few years back, and uh, we, there were a lot of cliffs in Iceland, and I, let's just say I'm kind of at arm's length with heights. I don't want to say I'm afraid of heights, but uh, heights are not my favorite thing. And so we were on these cliffs, just beautiful cliffs with these huge drop-offs, and it was a foggy morning, I remember, and I remember just like this fear in my heart, like, you know, she's adventurous, like, let's go to the edges, let's climb down. And I was like, oh, my word. And I remember just, you know, wanting to stay six to 10 feet from the edge, just in case, what if I, you know, what if I stumble? What if my foot slips? What if there's a loose rock? And I can't really see very well below me. But here's God's promise to us, is that regardless of the terrain, he won't let your foot slip or stumble. He won't let you totter, is another way to look at that, or waver. He will hold your feet firm. And we sang it this morning. Again, there's so many lines from the songs we sang. He's our hope and firm foundation. He'll never let us down. It was common, as I mentioned, to have someone watch over you and your things. It says here as well that he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And the words here, it could mean as, as much as, you know, like, I'm resting, I'm not sleeping. Parents, you familiar with that? You know, I... My eyes are, I'm not sleeping. I'm just resting my eyes, right? It's, we're not quite sleeping. It describes that. It says, you know, if you're kind of partially closing your eyes, you're kind of dozing off but not asleep. It says slumber nor sleep. Sleep means sleep. But, you know, either one, that God does not slumber or sleep. He is constantly protecting, constantly guarding us. And that was something that happened when these uh, people were on their travels, was that the person assigned or the people assigned to watch over their things or to watch over them would often fall asleep. Right, it's the middle of the night, it's not your stuff, right? And you fall asleep. 
Uh, all the right intentions, but you just cannot stay awake. Uh, it reminds me, too, of in, in 1 Kings, there's a similar story. It says in, in 1 Kings 18, 27, At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. And this was kind of the, the war, right, between is God the true God or are these gods, these other gods, the real gods? And so there's this face-off on the top of the mountain, and Elijah's challenging these people that have their other gods. That's not the true God. He says, At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. In the New Living Translation, it says, For surely, uh, perhaps he is daydreaming or relieving himself. Or maybe he is away on a trip and is asleep and needs to be awakened. So this was, this was something different at that time. Not just was, was it understood that if you're traveling, the person watching over your things might fall asleep. But it was also understood that other gods needed to sleep. Other guys needed to take a break. That you, you sometimes might need to shout louder or do something to get their attention. These other gods, but not the God of Israel. So he promises us here that he will not slumber or sleep. He won't rest in his care and his watching over. Another part of this promise of him keeping us is that um, in verse 5, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And the word for shade is like shadow. It's similar to, to, to helper, it's he's so close that you're, you're in the shadow, like in, in the, the other psalm, the shadow of his wings, that there, there's no gap, there's no distance between, that he is right next to you, and that you're under his shadow. Whether it's to protect you from the heat of the day or the heat of life, or whether it's to, to um, just be the reassurance that, that he is not leaving uh, or, or letting you go. I mentioned Psalm 46.1 in that verse. The word, it says he's our refuge. And the word for refuge is the one to whom we flee. That for him to be our ever-present help in times of need, there is an action of us. And we'll talk more about that in, in a minute. But there's an action expected of us. That it's not just these assurances from God. There's something we can do about it. There's something that we can continue to do about it. And, and it's not, again, a one-time event or a one-time act. So he is a refuge, an ever-present help in time of need. The one to whom we flee. The last part of this, this promise of him being a keeper, of him guarding and protecting us, is in the last couple of verses. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The coming and going, it's, it's the arrivals and departures, right? It's his promise that along the road, along your travels, along this life that we have on earth, he will watch over and protect you, whether you're coming or going, whether you're at the high of the goodness of life and the, the memories of life that, that are, are the best of things, or whether it is the, the difficulty, the departures, the hard things, the losses, the valleys, that his presence will be constant and that he will watch over both your comings and your goings. And the word here for going out, I, I love this. I, I love landscaping and plants. And I guess with a last name like plant, you might expect that. But, um, but I love it. And one of the things that most frustrates me beyond maybe rush hour traffic, so going back to road trips, is when I wake up and I see like, you know, something I've just planted and the deer have gotten to it. Is anybody else like that? That is, that is hot anger. That, no, that is a frustration. <laughs> Um, and I do my best, you know, to take care of the plants we have. We, Jessa waters them faithfully. You know, I try to prune and 
plant the right way and watch over as best as I can, but I'm a pretty lacking constant gardener, right? What can I do to protect against deer? I mean, I spray, you know, the trees that I know they like just to try to de-incentivize them, you know, from, from the tree. I, if I see a deer, I'll try to scare it away from the tree, right? I mean, there's certain things I'll do to guard or protect that. But this is where God, again, in his constancy is, it is 24 seven, he is watching over us. And, and this word coming and going, it's, it could be understood as you're going out, could be understood as you as a plant growing and expanding, that he is watching over your growth. He is watching over your continued expansion as a believer of knowing him, of the depth you reach as a believer, that he's, he's constantly gardening, watering, watching over, protecting, making sure that you have exactly what you need, full sun if full sun, partial sun if full, partial sun. He is constantly looking after and looking over to make sure that you're all right. I'm limited to spray and loud noises, but God's not. He's a constant gardener. The last part, and the, really the third point we'll spend the rest of our time on today, is the action from us. So the assurances are that he is our helper, our keeper. The action of us, the thing we can do, starts in the first three words of this psalm. I will lift. I will lift up my eyes. It's a verb. And it's more than staying focused. It's more than an event or a reaction. I know I can be guilty of looking for help when I think I need help. Of making it a list of, God, please help with this. Like, this is the thing I'm bringing you. But that's not what this is describing. This is describing an increasing dependency and an understanding of our reliance on God. Not a, I'll ask you when I need it. Not a, you know, phone a friend in a, in a difficult situation. This is a constantly looking for God and, and looking to him and his presence. It's an ongoing recognition of our source. It's an expectancy of his moving. It's a way to live. It's an increasing and an elevating. The word here for I will lift talks about like Noah's Ark, that the water levels just kept rising. It's like you can, you can continue to raise your water level in how you look at God, that it's not just, a, again, a sudden spike and a sudden drop, but it's just a continuing raising of of your eyes and your expectations of God. What our eyes see is important. So what do you see? I um, Growing up, this, one of my favorite people is my, my grandma. I call her Nanny, and she is my last um, living grandparent. We're hoping to see her here in August. Uh, we're going to go to Minnesota, which is where she lives. Um, and I loved going to her house when I was a kid. I still do. It's one of the things I look forward to the most. Um, but she had this little cross-stitch thing. It was only maybe a foot long and three inches tall. And as a kid, I just could not make out what it said. It was like a couple different colors. I'm colorblind, so that probably didn't help. But there were a couple different colors on it. It was this cross-stitch that was made, and it, it sat on top of her thermostat. I remember like just trying to make sense of it. And I, I think I even asked her, like, what does it say? And eventually, like, my eyes, it was like one of those 3D pictures, you know, where you, you're supposed to cross your eyes and uncross them. I could never do that well. But, like eventually it would make sense and you would see the picture. Well, this was like that for me, this cross stitch. And I could not see what it said. And then eventually I saw it and it just said Jesus on it. That was it. It was like a couple different colors and it was cross stitch Jesus. But for the longest time I saw the pieces that weren't the letters. I saw the, you know, the, the thing outside of the spaces. But once I saw Jesus, I, I couldn't unsee it. I, it was like, all I could see was Jesus. And I was like, how did I miss this? Like it's so easy, it's so obvious and so clear and so obvious, or so obvious and clear. Um, and while that's maybe a, a small example, I think in my life, I'm often guilty of that. 
I see Jesus. I see him help in a moment. We talk about his faithfulness. God's been so faithful in each of our lives over years, over moments, over the ups and downs. And yet, how often do we forget? How often do we look once, we see it once, and then suddenly it becomes blurry again? The cross stitch isn't clear anymore. I wish it was like that cross stitch, where now that I know he's my helper and my keeper, I can't unsee it. And it's where I first look and it's where I first go when, when I, throughout life, regardless of what's happening. It's a choice and it's a dependence to look to God. I want to read um, in Genesis, or, or I'll just summarize in Genesis. There's uh, Abram and Lot. Familiar with uh, Abram and Lot? When, when they have a choice to make, they look out over the land and, and Abram's like, Lot, you know, what do you choose to kind of establish your residence and, and, you know, for generations to come for it to be Lot's land? And Lot looks out and he sees the beauty of some of the land. He sees how green it is and how much water and just how plentiful it looks. And Lot's like, that's what I want. And it wasn't a bad choice, right? Practically speaking, probably a lot of good things about the land. But then God asks Abraham, he's like, Abram, I'll give you this. And Abram's generation lasted forever. And some commentators would say, Lot's eyes stopped short. He just looked for what we often look for, what looks good, what we think is the right answer. But he missed looking up to like, God, what do you have for me? What is it that I should choose? Because your favor is the most important thing. Your, your presence, you being with me is the most important thing. And, and if you play that story out, Lot's story took some turns and twists that maybe reinforced that he wasn't looking to God first that he was losing sight of where should his eyes be fixed. Lot's eyes looked at the creation and not to the creator. One stopped at the goodness of the creation. The other waited for the goodness of the creator. Uh, years ago, when I had... Um, life was probably the hardest for me ever. Um, I, I remember seeking God and looking to God to say... What should I do? You know, when it feels like life has been undone and none of it makes sense and you don't really know what, like, a baby step in life looks like, there's that kind of a moment. And I, I felt like God really put on my heart these, these three phrases, and we actually have them framed in our hallway at our house now. But it was eyes upward, heart outward, and feet forward. That was it. It was eyes upward, heart outward, and feet forward. And what that meant to me and what I felt like God was telling me at that time was it's got to start here. If you're not looking to me, you know, you're on the wrong path. If you're not recognizing your dependence on me, everything else is a, is a failed test. Second part was heart, heart outward, that regardless of if life is going well or not going well, are you caring for the people around you? Are you selfish and focused on yourself? Or are you saying, with my eyes fixed on God, with my eyes upward, I am now able to point others to him, to be there for others. And then lastly, feet forward to not stay in a moment and get stuck in a place, but to say there is a plan, a purpose, a path, and I need to keep walking on it. And it was a promise then, or a reminder then, and a reminder now as well, um, and a challenge. I would say uh, my eyes upward part is something I still need to do um, constant, not just when, when I think the moment uh, requires it. So eyes upward, heart outward, feet forward. Where we look matters. I'll give one more example. I, I mentioned the, the cross-stitch. But one other example of keeping our eyes focused and looking where they should was uh, growing up, um, I was learning golf. I loved playing golf with my dad, with my uncle. And, and my uncle was, 
he always had a golf membership and he'd always somehow, you know, get me to, to join him. And sometimes I think I carried his clubs. I think eventually I got to, to play as well. Um, but I remember the one golf tip and, and I'm looking for Corey. Is Corey in here? Is he outside? He's probably, oh, he's out there. Uh, Corey would probably have better golf advice. Uh, but my uncle would say, keep your head down. I'll watch where it goes. That was like his advice for me. Because why would he say that? Well, because in golf, if you're not looking at the ball, if you're thinking ahead of where's the ball going and you're so excited to see how far the ball went, you know, you look up, you get distracted. And so I'd, I'd clearly, you know, duff or dub or whatever, more of those shots than not if I pulled my head up, if I looked up before I should have. So he'd say, keep your head down, Joe. I'll watch where it goes. And it was, it was the best advice. Look at the ball, make your shot. Don't worry about where the ball went on the fairway or the woods or the water, whatever. Um, I'll watch where it goes. And I, as many times as I heard it, as many times as he told me that, I still was tempted to pull my head up. I still wanted to see where it went. I thought, oh, I really got that. You know, I'm really hitting this one hard. I, I want to see how far it goes. It's the excitement, right? I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good one. And you look up, and then it's a terrible one. And, and I think as, as often as we know, look to God for our help. We still wait. We still wait for a crisis. We still wait for when we don't have our other options that we think make sense. When we can't do it on our own and we finally admit it or we finally acknowledge and, and recognize it, we need to look, at, look to him, look at him throughout. Is this us? Is that you? Are you not seeing Jesus? Are your eyes distracted? Or are you seeing but maybe not correctly? Um, as a parent, I mentioned we've got, Jess and I have five kids. Um, as a parent, this, this is something I've experienced a lot. And I remember as a kid, um, this happening to me as well. But times where you ask one of your kids, go look for this. And they go, they're probably back in 10 seconds. So like, I couldn't find it. Has, has any other parent ever experienced that? No? Oh, man. One hand. It's just me. Just me. Well, then this is really not going to make sense. No. Uh, so I, a lot of times this has happened, right? And it's one of our kids goes, looks for something. They come back. They can't find it. We ask them, did you look here? Did you look? There? Did you really look, right? Did you really look? Or did you just walk to your room and then walk back, right? Like, did you forget? Maybe you get lost on the way, right? All the things that could have happened, right? Did you really look? And then eventually, usually two or three times, it was right where they thought it would be, right? It was, it was clear and obvious where it was. And well, as a parent, that can be frustrating. Um, I think that's how I am as a believer sometimes. That, did I really look? I say, oh, I'm God, I'm bringing you this. God, I'm giving you that. But am I really looking to God? Or am I treating it as, again, a one-time request? Or a, again, if needed? Are we really, really looking? Have I really looked? He's there. He's in an obvious expected place. He is constantly with us as our helper. He is constantly watching over us as our keeper. He is with us. Uh, at work lately, and maybe this is true for you as well, um, I think people are under more stress um, than at many times in life. Uh, the stress levels are high. And I was talking to one of the leaders. I, I'm an HR person. And one of the leaders I support, and, and he was frustrated. And he said, I'm just convinced. Somebody, you know, this is taking a toll on people. And the, the phrase he used, he's like, something's got to give. Like the, the pressure, the culture, the anger, the hurt, it's like something's got to give. Like this, is, this isn't working. And I don't believe he's a believer, but when he said that, like, yeah, something's got to give. And it's so obvious, like the answer should be so obvious to us as believers, and yet we miss it. If we truly knew our need, our eyes would be fixated upward 
We would be consumed with looking for him. Looking to him. We need far-sighted Christianity. That we know the here and the now is a journey, is a road, but that this is not our home. There was a quote I wanted to read with you. Martin Luther said, said, I am so busy now that if I did not spend three hours each day in prayer, I could not get through the day. And I don't know if three hours is um, how that fits into your schedule, but I'm so busy that if I did not spend whatever amount of time in prayer every day, I wouldn't get through the day. That's, uh, that was a challenge to me when I read that, and I've heard that one before. But if I look back over the last few months, when something's got to give, am I looking to God? Am I praying? Not just a prayer of requests, not just a prayer of asks, but a prayer of just seeking him, of looking to him, of wanting time with him. Our need for his help is not just in the unusual, the unexpected, or the unendurable. It's in the in-between moments. It's in the we're not there yet part of this road trip. He doesn't start where we end. We need to get serious about God and are looking to him and for him. Serious about prayer as more than a transactional please and thank you. If I think back, I was asking Jessa, like as I was getting ready for this morning, what word do you think we use most in our prayer? And I don't know for you, but I think thank you is there. And I think please is there. And again, those aren't bad things. It says to bring all your cares to him because he cares for you. Make your requests known before God, right? Those are, those are good things, but it's not the only thing. It's not just about what's on our list. It's about getting to know him. Are we building a relationship with him? I wanted to read, this is, um, I love songwriting more than, more than many things. This is um, a song I wrote that has personally been really meaningful to say, how do I approach God and what do I believe of God? And it's called, Hear My Amen. I just want to read it to kind of explain how it ties to this message. It says, God, will you listen this time? Will you hear my amen? You've brought me through this. Now bring me to you again. I should be praying for this instead of bringing you lists of things that are fading and fake. Some days I'm rising up, then forget you're enough. Some days I'm sinking fast when I take my eyes off of you. I've got a habit of leaving. I've got a problem with hearing. And I'm gaining ground on the thing that I'm fleeing. See, I'm halfway to healed and I'm halfway to broken. But God, fix your words back to the way they were spoken. And what that meant for me and means for me is, of course, God hears me. It's just that I don't always believe it or, or live in a way that, that, that represents that or reflects that. Of course, God is there for us. But do I bring those things to him and not just as a list? The, the last part of that, but God fix your words back to the way they were spoken. It's not that his words need any fixing. It's that my understanding of them, how I believe the things of God gets diluted. It gets cheapened. It gets lesser than. So God fix your words back to the way they were spoken. We often approach God as a scheduled episode, a weekly meeting, maybe lists, lists of wishes or to do's. What would it look like if our eyes were on him always, not just when we knew we needed something? Too many times we're living with our heads down as Christians. I might be locked looking at creation instead of the creator, choosing what I think looks good versus what's really good. Here's just a couple reminders as we close today, and we'll sing a, we'll sing a song. Um, and I'd ask you when we do that, we, we spend a little bit of time in prayer. 
just lifting our eyes up, lifting our hearts up and our minds up to him. But just some reminders as we, as we close. One is thank, live thankfully. Live thankfully in the promise that you are not alone. He is your constant companion, your helper. Helper not as a one-time event or a call when needed, but a helper as a always with you. Live with the assurance that he takes no breaks, no breathers, no timeouts. It's 24-7. Our God does not sleep or slumber. He will not let your foot slip or waver. Increase lifting your eyes up. Like the water level of a boat. Work on looking to him, looking for him, looking at him. Work on it. In a longing desire for God. The, the word, I lift my eyes up, there, there's some commentators that say, well, was this, a, was this a song sung when it was the dangers of the road? Or was this sung in a way that was a, you know, lifting your eyes up in worship and in praise and anticipation? And, and most commentators would say, this is anticipation. The word here is a longing desire for, that you're just excited and expecting and anticipating that God is there and he will save the day, that he will be your hope. And in confident dependence on him. Fix your eyes on him. Don't look to him for a quick fix. I want to read one other verse in Hebrews. Hebrews 12.2 Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to Jesus. So we need to do this morning, and, and we'll pray here in a second. But what I'd ask is, as we, as we sing this song, the song is the words of this hymn, I lift my eyes up. I would just ask that you um, either individually or, or in your row or with your family, let's spend some time in prayer, lifting our eyes up, lifting our hearts up, that we would just focus on God. And, and I would ask not to make it a, a list of prayer requests, but to make it a um, pausing in a moment to, to look to God, to, to pursue God in, in his presence. A surrender of it not being about you and not being that all the other help is, you know, I just saved the big help for God, right? Um, there's a quote, Vic, Victor Huger is one of my favorite authors, and he, he said, there are moments when whatever the position of your body, your heart is on its knees. That's what I want as a believer my life to look like, that regardless of how physically things are, that I'm on my knees, that I'm looking to him. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll sing, and I just ask you to continue in prayer this morning as we close. God, we are thankful this morning for the assurance that you're our helper, God, that you are constantly with us, that you're our aid, our support, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. God, we thank you that you watch over us, that you keep us, God, as a constant gardener, caring for us, there for us, God, that you do not sleep or slumber or take a break, but you want that relationship with us, God, and you are with us each step of the way. We thank you, as we've sung already this morning, for your faithfulness, God, whether we see it or not, that you are a shadow, you are shade right beside us. And God, I pray that we would lift our eyes up. God, that this would be the way we live our lives, with you as the starting point, with a relationship with you as the starting point. And God, that we bring all our requests to you, that we would, we would lay our cares at your feet, but God, most importantly, that we would know you, 
God, that we would worship you, that we would make our lives about you. God, that once we see Jesus, we can't, we can't see it another way, that we would know it's, it's you that we need to turn to for help. Pray in your name. Amen.